podcasting in my pajamas this is tiebreaker with ria it's all about capturing journeys sharing knowledge and letting you know that struggles are beautiful because growth comes only through efforts and struggles thank you for spending some time with me today now let's begin the transformation She's a senior business leader with substantial operational experience. She's an accredited coach of the Institute of Executive Coaching Leadership and has completed a course on authentic leadership at Harvard Business School. She herself being a coach believes that there's nothing more powerful than self-coaching. She's now a founder and CEO at Stride, where they provide leadership skills and life skills in bite-sized practical lessons. Let's welcome Subhi Nanthiwarman. Hello Subhi, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for being so patient enough because last time we had to kind of postpone our meeting but it really means a lot having you here. No problem, no problem. Uh, good to see young people um rise and shine like you. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, thank you. Means a lot. So Subhi, you know, before we get into a lot of stuff, I want to know you know tell me something about you tell me something you know where you come from a little about your back journey and how it all started okay so i i am sri lankan tamil of course um so i spent a few years very early in my childhood in england with my parents who were both consultants and i came back at the age of 9 back to Jaffna Sri Lanka and at that stage I didn't know how to speak Tamil which was an interesting kettle of fish because you're in a Tamil medium class <laughs> trying to understand what the children and the teacher was saying and you knew nothing and I had to put on my um learning shoes pretty fast and um uh, managed to grasp the language and continued until uh set for the a levels as they would call it in 1982 83 and um it was then when the riots started in sri lanka oh. which was aimed at the tamil people and uh, from there on in until i left in 1989 it was pretty much quite bad because they were targeting um uh lots of problems people the till the liberation tigers were taking a hold of the place and also the army was then retaliating and checking people and being a tamil you got checked and all that kind of carry on and then we moved to colombo uh, in 84 i think and i continued with my accountancy because we couldn't get into university at that stage because everything was pretty much very hard to get in for a tamil as well as all the trouble so i did my um, management accounting in colombo along with 400 other people started that and managed to finish it by 1987 and started working as an accountant and in the meantime the indian ipk have uh, had come into jaffna and you would have known you might not have been even born then and that's when more bloodshed happened and a lot of my mother's village pretty much got wiped out uh, relatives as well because of the fighting not that they were fighting against the ipk but they just got caught in the whole thing and by 1989 i'd left uh sri lanka <clears throat> to uh new zealand auckland and uh, i arrived there unfortunately for myself right smack bang in the middle of a recession and to then find a job there and finish my accounting degree that was also quite hard because there wasn't too much vacancies around so i had to do a lot of voluntary work to prove that i can do the work and then therefore i managed to get into a magazine magazine distribution business um as an assistant accountant and worked my way up to a financial accountant and in the meantime i finished my chartered accountancy qualification and then i while i was doing that just before i thought i'll become a teacher so i went into teacher training college there in auckland and finished that as well and 
uh, taught for about eight months when I decided it was just too much um, heartache because kids just didn't want to learn. And mm-hmm. I went back into accounting. And in 1997, we moved to Sydney. Um, because there was a job opportunity for my husband. So I moved there and didn't know anybody again and then managed to get a job as a financial accountant. And then two and a half years later, we moved to Melbourne because he was relocated to Melbourne with another job. Again, I got up and left and went to Melbourne again, knew nobody, uh, but managed to... um, get a job with the pharmaceutical healthcare organization, which I was part of for many, many years, like 15 years. And uh, there I rose up in the ranks to become a chief administration officer, uh, basically looking after supply chain, accounting, um, commercial management for the healthcare business. And that was back in Sydney, so I got relocated back to Sydney. This time, my husband followed me. Oh. After three times, he followed me back to Sydney, where I um, continued until 2015. And that's when I left to think about a startup, uh, which I established in 2015 and, and launched um, a product. Yes. Yeah. Before we go to the startup phase, so, yeah. you know, uh, when you were in Sri Lanka, you said that there were a lot of stuff happening around. So we feel that our house is to be the most, you know, we want our house to be the most safest place for us. But you mm-hmm. being there, you're, you know, going through all the, every day there's a fear, fear of, you know, will I, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. go through the day? Will I, you know, I, I don't know what is going to happen next. How did you survive mm-hmm. or what strength you needed and how did you make it, you know, from that phase of your life? Because that was, I think, that was like really very scary just to listen because we have never experienced it touch wood. But, you know, listening to that, it is like, oh my God, what have you guys done? How were you guys managing everything? And, you know, so just yeah. about that. So, um, yeah, it was terrible because you never knew when we got out. I used to go on a bicycle, I think, at that stage for classes. And you never knew when the landmines would go off which was always scary. And I remember somebody putting a landmine close to our house and uh, the guys who put the landmine ran through the house nearby as well. And to see the army was following them. So that was pretty scary because we didn't know where they were going to shoot. We We were just there. And uh, my mother's um, uh, private practice where she saw patients, they shot it up and luckily we weren't there or she wasn't there. And when we went the next day, the place was littered with bullets. So you could imagine how close it was and things happened all the time. You never knew what would happen every day. Suddenly some people start running and then they knew there was some problem there. And then even after when we moved to Colombo also, then there would be checking and all that kind of carry on. And you always get nervous when you see a person in armed um, outfits. And recently only on LinkedIn, when I wrote about something about that time, somebody who was high up in the IPKF, a gentleman said, "Uh, we shouldn't have been there. And him saying that was enough to make me cry because at least he realized what effect he was having on people like ordinary citizens like myself. So that was kind of a vindication. It was, I think, after I left Sri Lanka for a good uh, two, three years, I would wake up at a sound of a loud bang and think, oh, my God, somebody's shooting. Oh, my God. So to sleep through the night and to really um, get rid of all those memories will take a long time. And like I said, with the shoot up in um, my mother's village, uh, all the people were in Jaffna. So overseas, we were getting calls in Colombo to find out about their people and to relay firsthand what had happened to their people. They do whatever. That was a terrible thing. Because you're letting people know all the time that their people have died or they can't, nobody can go there. So it was um, a living nightmare, yes. 
Definitely. But it sort Living of gives nightmare. you the courage to face anything. And also, I think the fire in the belly, so to speak, came from that time because you want to survive and you want to show that you can survive and flourish. That's so recession, recession didn't mean too much to me because I was on a mission to prove myself. Wow. So wow. all what came after was pretty much you were young. Uh, so, Subi, um, you just said that it was very difficult to you to overcome through that situation. You know, that situation was a little, uh, it played a vital role in your life. And to overcome that part, it was very difficult. You know, it took you time mm-hmm. to kind of heal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we don't have that kind of fear right now. We don't have that kind of, you know, the, the terrorism and all, like not exactly like that, but... Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different uh, incidents. So there's a lot of different things happening around that l- that leads to depression. So there are people out there who are depressed because uh, because of love failure, because of breakups, because of business failure, startup failure, you know, uh, uh, debts and everything. So and they start they start thinking, overthinking, overthinking, and they reach to a point where they're even okay to commit suicide or you know to do something that is that is wrong so what suggestion mm-hmm. what advice do you have for people you know i mean you have been through a different situation but you know it was scary so how to overcome that particular situation how to overcome and just not give up on life you know that e- yeah. yes uh, i think um First thing is you have to believe uh, strongly that you will get through it. Yes. And um, we were thinking that we were not alone and we would find a way out. And nothing would stop us. Like I said, the fire in the belly just came in to you. Uh, for somebody who's out there, what, what my advice would be is to be um, exercising something like uh, gratitude for all what you have. Start a journal, write about it, because everybody has something in life that they're thankful for. And I think taking away from what you don't have to what you have will elevate you. And the second thing is practical. I'm I'm a very practical person, so instead of um, telling you um things that it's very hard it's simple things that i would recommend it's like the uh, gratitude diary or to go out and get some exercise when you're feeling overwhelmed right and um try and um uh, channel your thoughts away from there and because it's very hard to not think about this each time when a negative thought or something is really bothering you Ask that thought is, are you going to really do me any favors? If not, vanish. And each time it comes, you just try and speak in yourself. It's like the narratives that you tell yourself. And keep overpowering the negative manage to a positive manager. I will get through. I will get through. And uh, what makes it, and do something that always makes you happier at that point in time. So for some people, it might be singing or some other people might draw. Something that you find which is an outlet at that time that takes you away from what is right up. And then try and break down your problem into small manageable bits. Okay, okay. And uh, then work at it one by one. Because sometimes everything seems overwhelming uh, and um, if you can manage the problem into smaller things, then you are able to get over it. The fourth thing is, like you said, love relationship breakups and all that kind of stuff. It is uh, basically a grieving process. And you have, just like you have lost somebody in the family, you have to start grieving. And that means you have to take time out and talk to somebody who will listen and to understand, even if they don't, this quietly, you're able to express that emotion and cry if you have to, 
for a few days or whatever, but try and get it out of your system. I think it's a grieving process. You reject, then you accept, then you come to terms with it, and then you start living with it. So depending on what you're facing, it might be a grieving process. Like you have lost a job, it's just like a grieving process. Some funerals, what do they do? They sit at home and they try and do whatever that they really like, reach out to people that they really care for, who they can connect and share that load, and slowly time will let it pass, and then you become positive because you cannot uh, leapfrog those emotions and get positive if those are weighing you down because you need time to recover and look after yourself in that meantime and do something that really is going to make you happy and at least peaceful yeah so lots of things that you can do Mm -hmm. and uh, acknowledge acknowledge what you're feeling and don't say lot of people say positive message, positive message. It's okay. You have to feel what you feel. But if the memory comes back, you say, are you doing me any favors? And talk to you that kind of thing. So uh, I'm a strong believer in self-narratives, the stories you tell yourself. Yeah? Yes. Wow. Awesome. You know, these these five five important uh, factors like it's it's awesome you know the way you explained it that's great you know you mentioned here that you are a practical person yeah very much so yes and um so is it good to be 100% practical or is it good to be 100% emotional how do you balance being a practical person as well as not uh, letting the you know letting this practical stuff overpower your emotions you know so how can you yeah. what kind of a person you know how to you know how to kind of balance both of this being practical and being emotional yeah um yeah good question um because i'm wired a little bit towards more practicality and uh, therefore i don't probably let go or let other people see too much of my emotions, especially all the trauma that we have gone through when we were young and right through up even afterwards. Um, So if you ask me, can you be emotional? I probably can be a teeny weeny bit in my writing because I write a lot. But even then I am probably not prepared to show the whole length of that emotion. So I think it differs from person to person and how how you want to deal with those emotions. Some people are very much out there and very much in everybody's face and others are, like I said, much more reserved. And that's where the diaries and that kind of thing comes about, where you're really expressing. Some people, somebody told me, and I can't remember the author, but she recommended a way for people who can't express emotion as like you said the practical kind of person Mm -hmm. to then look at uh, every morning as soon as you get up write three pages of whatever comes into your head right so therefore you're expressing your emotions and when it's in the paper and I think then that other guy mystic in New York who's also uh, Tamil, he said, you write it down, all your things that are bothering you and you burn it, then that is a physical activity of taking it out of yourself. Oh, yes. Okay, so that will help a practical person to express emotions if they don't want to be in everybody's face. Now, with an emotional person, how do you be practical? That's what I was talking about earlier where you can, you need to be thinking about, oh my God, and not freak out. Try and break it down to tiny steps, baby steps that you can take every day. It's about every step that you take every day and make a habit of making a step and not uh, dissolving into all those emotions. So I think there is ways for both parties to come to some kind of middle ground. Yeah? Makes sense. Wow, that makes sense. And um, lastly, you also mentioned that you have been to different countries. You have shifted from one place to another quite frequently. 
uh, you know let it yeah. be because of your husband or your husband because of you any let let the situation be you know any any situation so you coming from sri lanka coming from a very different uh, country going to the you know new zealand and uh, all now in australia and uh, stuff like that how do you you know how do you kind of connect with people in a different country where the culture is different where the people are different where uh, you know you don't so if you come to if i come to us if i go to the us i don't know how to you know what is their mentality what are they thinking about and so you kind of you know like completely diversification so how do you you know how do you connect uh, get used to the culture and also make sure yeah. that, that culture the, the that particular the modern culture is not overpowering your cultures yeah you're you're, you're uh, maintaining your uniqueness yes yes yep. yes yeah good so. question so um one thing with the the english speaking world because most of us will migrate to there and some of our, our tamil people have actually migrated to europe as well so it was always funny a little story i went to when i went to my parent company in germany i met, met with a relative who i hadn't seen for 22 years um from the travels and they spoke very fluently in uh, german deutsch and uh, so they had to get used to it whereas we because i have read so much in english and all that i my english was pretty good when i arrived in um, uh, new zealand whereas they they would have had to really go from scratch and just imagine that that would have been such a huge leap that i can't even imagine but for me the language was there i had read quite a bit and i also followed the all blacks very much from my very young age because my uncles were all rugby players so i knew about all blacks and the code of uh, rugby so that was a real definite uh, talking point when i arrived in uh, new zealand oh my god the all blacks and i was always excited and went for a match and I- talk about that and even those uh, though i didn't know many people i could talk about rugby and uh, what my uncles uh, one of them had played against the all blacks and how they had got thrashed by the all blacks so they got quite excited and accepting so what i'm trying to say is get into their culture and understand what really uh, makes them tick yeah so in australia of course i was able to con- uh, communicate about australian rules football which i was interested in and how they played the game and obviously wimbledon and um, uh, australian open tennis that was another favorite because i was into sport i was able to speak and also had uh, seen a few movies and i i'm sure young people like yourself have seen a lot of movies which i hadn't for a long time but uh, that's something that you can speak about as well but there were some like 40 towers and all all the old um, comedy series which we could communicate about so find common ground that you want to speak about because when from their perspective it is can this person fit into our culture will they understand what i want will they fit in and really run with what we want of them that is what they are more interested in uh, rather than your ability to do accounting for instance or write a code or whatever it is more that you will fit in and appreciate what they are about as well but is it so i think like uh, is it not more like wanna be like i want just because i want to go to the us i have to learn about what they are doing uh, even if i might not be interested like if i don't have any Correct. common interest so is it not like i'm sounding i'm trying to be very wannabe and then i'm like um, no uh, or you might want to look at okay for me it was rugby and football and tennis right for you it might be something else that attracts you makes sense okay hopefully you might find something that is in drama maybe broadway or ballet or songs or whatever or even the scenery like switzerland it's all about the scenery i would i when i went to switzerland i raved about the scenery <laughs> and i knew about the glacier express and what it did and all that so you can pick a country you can pick your interests and 
put that forward and don't be shy in saying about yourself. So the other part of the equation is not letting go of who you are and what you are and what is important for you. So I think that was one thing because we had come through all this hell in Sri Lanka. Being Tamil was very important and the language and culture was very important for us and we never let go of that. And uh, therefore, even 15 years later, when I was in um, corporate, uh, when we had award ceremonies, I always wore sari and uh, presented the award wearing wow. a sari. That was very important for me, not to let wow. go of the culture. So, wow. And to have an identity that we are not going to just follow what they did. That's and awesome. uh, yeah, and uh, even then, I was working in operations and as you know, things will happen suddenly and there's a crisis and we did everything we could. And then I would say uh, divine intervention, let's crack some coconuts. I would say like in the Hindu thing that we go and crack coconuts. And even the Germans would say to me, oh, let's now we've done everything. Let's crunch some coconuts. (laughs) So they appreciated your culture. So don't be afraid to be who you are and what you are and what really is important for you as well. So it is a balance. Wow. And, and uh, when you interact with different people from different nationalities, you will just reach out and understand what they are about as well. Because you had a lot of Chinese, you had uh, Filipinos, you had even people from Iceland, for instance. And when he told me he was born on Christmas Day and never saw the light for three months, I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a whole different concept for us. And I was so engrossed in his stories as well of growing up in Iceland. So I think that's why you show interest in others and they will obviously then warm to you, I think, instead of saying, I'm going to sit in my corner and everybody accept me, that doesn't work. Makes sense. And I think that is what I have the problem with all these um, movements, even uh, the women's uh, movement and even racial movements. People can't demand others to respect them. You have to earn that respect. And it's about how you interact with them. You will command that respect, uh, in my own belief. But if you go after them and say, you have to give me this and all that kind of tantrum, it doesn't work because they just get more and more defensive. Wow, that makes sense. Oh, the best part was you literally representing uh, presenting the awards in Sari, not forgetting your culture and also, you know, uh, trying to, you know, finding, you know, trying to find the common interest and kind of being there, you know, it's all about networking. Yeah. That was so well said. Yeah. Wow. So you know, you Thank were trying you. to find a, you were trying to find a job in recession back then, and you were so yeah. fortunate enough that you got a great job, and yeah. you were there for like ten, fifteen years. This is a recession period again. So yes. Uh, and I see that the people who you know they're kind of they lost hopes on how to find job. It's very difficult to find job at this particular time. There's very difficult, you know, people, you know, companies are literally firing employees as if, you know, they, they didn't matter to them. And things are very bad right now. People are not getting their salaries, their, you know, income. Everything is like at a stagnant level. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's horrible. So what advice or what, uh, you know, what do you have for people? You know, what do you want to share with people about that recession time? And, how did you overcome that and uh, you know how can these people also kind of you know uh, like let it be building a new skill this quarantine or doing something so what 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 advice do you have for people yeah. who are struggling to find jobs yes um i think what you just said is very important not to lose focus so that's my when i was faced with the recession that's when i um completed my chartered accountancy there converted my schema to chartered accountancy in New Zealand, Australia, New Zealand. So I had to do a couple of papers there. And then I went to teacher's training college with the little money that I had put away. I said, all right, I'll invest in myself and do a course. So I think you have to make some bold moves (laughs) to work out um, what you're interested in and try that out. So at least you have a story when you go for interviews, you didn't sit around and mope. 
you actually did something productive while you uh, waiting for something to happen. And I said I did a lot of voluntary work because they didn't um, recognize my Sri Lankan um, experience very much. So I had to volunteer doing accounting work in different places so I can get something on my CV, which sounded New Zealand. So, yes, I didn't get paid, but uh, I didn't sit around. So you have to try different um, uh, avenues because things just didn't uh, go your way. You have to do it. And even after that, the first uh, two or three appointments I got was even accounts payable clerk. I just took it on because what can you do? But you do your best and you do learn from that and really impress whomever you're working with because you have no option. Because I think uh, what is different from this recession to what we were then is I couldn't go back to Sri Lanka because of the troubles. I had to be in New Zealand, that was it. And uh, it was a long recession, about uh, four or five years. So we had to tune in and bunker down and just go with it. Whereas here, I think there is a lot more opportunity in other places where yourself, for instance, you're freelancing, you can find other job markets overseas, whereas there was no such thing as freelancing or anything like that. There There was no opportunities. You don't even know what was happening. And I also used that time to my husband's um, boss. He actually coached me and to... um, really present myself and speak properly and confidently um, because the interview processes were very different in New Zealand from Sri Lanka or India for that matter. You have to really learn to speak very well. And that kind of um, that kind of practice also helped and I had to look in the mirror and practice all the time. So if you lost your job right now and I am in the game of helping people find jobs, you have to write a resume properly, don't outsource it, do it yourself, really think about your strengths, take time out to think about your strengths, put that on paper and do practice looking at the mirror to see whether you can really pull out the examples of how you have done um, key things to um, always keep practicing that and putting together more and more so you really uh, know what kind of jobs you want to target while you're sitting in this kind of flux period. And I've helped people coming back from maternity leave who had taken um, so many years looking after children, going back into workforce, then again, what was their skill set before? How do they build up confidence? How do they present themselves? How do they then go after something and really get that job? Nothing different there either. When you had a baby and you've been looking after the child for four years and suddenly you want to break in again. So they do eventually. But you have to not lose hope and keep improving and practicing and building on that confidence. It's not; it's all in the mindset, I think. And how do you have um, little action plans to keep yourself moving, both on looking at a job and also improving skills and looking at other opportunities that may come that will build on your skill set. And like I said, the world is your oyster because you and I are speaking, we never knew each other. Exactly. exactly. That's what I think is so, so very different from the times when we went through it. Yes, it, it is definitely different from the times we went through it, but, uh, you know, the, the older times. But uh, to be, I really want to mention that, that you, can, you guys, the, that generation was mentally very strong. If you compare with this yes. generation, this generation Correct. is like, you know, uh, they give up easily. Your generation, yes. in spite of going through so many problems, you guys were like, it's okay. You know, it's just a matter of time. And that is the difference. Maybe because we are getting yes. too much luxury. Maybe we are, we, correct, we, correct. And I don't want to say that because I've been told off before by young people saying, how can you probably generalize and stereotype us saying that we got it all in a platter? 
No, that, I that think, is yeah. reality actually, to be very honest. Even I feel, you know, the, the struggles that my mom have been through, I am so mm-hmm. blessed that, you know, I, I get up, I have, I just sit in my pajamas and I sit right in my house and work while my parents, grandparents and everybody, they used to go out, work in this hot, sunny day and stuff. And I am, and we are making way more, you know, money than they used to back then. Yeah, correct. Hard work, the level of stress they have been through, we have done nothing. Yeah. Still, we are like, we act as if, and we show to the world, like, you know, we are uh, going through so much, you know, we are just so young. And that is, I think that is wrong. I I, I agree. You know, I, I believe in this. Yeah. And uh, another thing is, I notice uh, my cohort, their children, they, when you tell them about the Sri Lankan stories, they're really not interested. <laughs> they say, you know, I heard this before. And they, you have to go through to really know what it's about. So I think it's a different right now. But one thing you have to do is getting mentally tough. Yeah. And find some ways to get mentally tough. And I think that is what the younger generation, they have so much scope. There's so much opportunity, so much everything. I think if they work on their mental toughness, there's no way you, you're going to catch the young people of today. That is definitely, for sure. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, um, you know, okay, so Bisa, this was awesome. Um, you know, the next question or the next thing that I wanted to discuss was um, um, you being a woman, you, you know, it was very difficult for you because you also had this health issue while you were working. And you mentioned to this to me on LinkedIn. This is like quite fascinating where you said that you kind of had uh, endometriosis and, um, you know, still having that health problem. How did you manage to hang on to your job? You know, it's difficult. It's, it's like difficult. So having that uh, health issue, still going to the, showing up to the job every day, giving your best and make you come back home. And it's not just going to the job. You come back home, then you have a family to take care of. You've got husband and, you know, you, you have managed it so beautifully. Your job life, your health life, your um, family life. How? Because again, uh, uh, again, you know, when it, it again comes down to us, the youth who cannot manage several things at a time, we are not multitaskers, if I might say so. And even if we are, we are the most horrible multitaskers you'll ever meet. So, <laughs> so what, what, what suggestion, what advice and what was your journey or your face like? Yeah, so um, one thing I think is family support is very important. If any woman to go out and work, I think the family support and the uh, the, the the things that the partner does is very very important. And I think that is where uh, subcontinental um, people have to go a little way because maybe the corona is helping no maids at home and guys have to do and <laughs> so yes. the world is changing <laughs> so that's a good thing so I think that is the first ingredient that you have to have the family support second thing is uh, like I said the mental mental toughness that uh, even though you're feeling so much in pain and you're having so much issues you push that away because you want to not give up on your career and your job and I think at sometimes I must have been a bit crazy <laughs> because the pain was so bad, but I managed to hang on to responsible jobs and um, and was single-minded in even after having operations to be uh, able to work. Maybe that was not a good thing on hindsight. I work right through a very minimal time off, which was, uh, not good on hindsight I think we, I should have taken a bit more care of myself but I, like I said the fine the belly and the obsession <laughs> was paramount uh, so that worked and but you also put in some ground rules for instance um, I just said at work I wouldn't travel more than 10 days because I had to get back home <laughs> uh, because uh, People were relying on my, my my husband was relying on me for food and stuff like that, and he's not the one to run around 
just buying shop food. So I tried to travel for 10 days or minimum uh, and come back. So you sort of manage and, like you said, juggle it that way so you're not gone overboard in one and ignoring the other. It is a balancing act, always a balancing act. And um, sometimes you have to sacrifice. Sometimes you have to say, okay, this one I can't do uh, and make those calls as well. And yes, we do did multitasking because there was so much of, um, at least I didn't have kids, but I've seen women who come in with kids as well on top of it and their homework and their sickness and, oh boy, some people can manage a lot. So I think women are able to do that quite uh, well and not to underestimate that, just go for it. But like you said, it's a mental toughness. And uh, I think these days people are not that keen on taking on more responsibility like those days because they have choices. Exactly. They have choices. They can put, uh, having children be back uh, or getting married back or looking after the old people outsourcing that as well maybe so I think there's much more choices when you're faced with much more choices then it's a struggle we had no choice so do you so think that's a good thing to have choices or no I think it's got good and bad. You can flourish with the choices, but you also then uh, stick on to your comfort zones. Exactly. Wow. And you so well just said. don't want to give up. Wow. You want to have the cake and eat it. Wow. Whereas we had that opportunity. We had to just do it because that was how it was. We knew no different. Wow. So when you say, how do I can't advise because it's a different generation, different outlook, different perspective. All you can do, I guess, is uh, say, okay, what do I want to do personally to act differently and multitask? So you make conscious choices and uh, choose your options and execute. Yeah, and you have that's why the coaching. I am also a coach, but I see the coaching arena just going crazy because people are not accountable for the life choices they are making. They want somebody to pull them in line. So we didn't have all that luxury, we had to keep (laughs) ourselves in line. You know what I mean? So um, I think it is all about how much responsibility you want to take about your own life. Makes sense. Wow. Um, You know, you mentioned this great point. Like the first one I wanted to say was um, um, obsession over job, right? So um, again, I don't want to compare, but it so happens that every sentence I'm talking, it's like, uh, we guys are different. You guys, it was like you guys used to treat that company as your own company. Correct. Correct. For us, we are like, I'm not saying it's a good thing. No, it's it's a it's I think a we were a bit foolish. No, we were a bit of foolish because we were so loyal towards our employer. Whereas now you're a bit more wise. No, you but know, I think I've got to look a... after myself, <laughs> and I look after them as well. You know what? I think being loyal to a company and giving your best to you know wherever you're working is great because at this point, if you see people are only working because they want to pay the bills. You know, it's like nine to five. So it's exactly nine o'clock. It starts at exactly five o'clock. It ends. So it has become the mentality. Nobody, you know, I would not say nobody, but many of them are not taking their jobs seriously or not, are, you know, not doing it. They're doing it just for the sake of doing it. But you guys were so loyal. You gave your best. You gave your life to that job and you made it so successful. It's not, you know, you, because of you, there's a big hand you know of yours because you know of the company flourishment or how successful the company has become but how i don't know if this is if this is if this is something a person can train how can you train somebody to be loyal to a company you know how you can't yes so you you can't do that it's i think the world has moved on from our era you cannot pull it back so how how to get that of ownership Yes. Yeah, the passion. They talk about passion all the time. So I think the only thing that young, younger people can do is find your passion, 
what makes you really push your buttons. So you become passionate about the job. Never mind the organization and everybody else around you. Be passionate about the job and really do a top quality job and interact and collaborate with people to give your best, right? So I think those two things are important. Find your passion, to find that something that really pushes your buttons and really collaborate about with people around you. So you don't have to be loyal to a person or a company or anything, but loyal to what you do and do a great job. Makes sense. And make life easier for the people around you. That you can do, and I think that makes sense for any generation. Definitely yeah? makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Wow. That was well said. That was well said. Awesome. Uh, and the, another question was, you said that you guys did not have something called as coach. We guys had like, you guys had teachers oh. who used to teach <laughs> in schools, colleges and stuff. But now the coach, you know, this business or this industry ha- is... It's just ballooned. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 growing. It's people are earning so much in this industry. Do you really think that you know a human being or a, a somebody needs a coach? You know, or uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I I have like even I have got like several problems. So I'm not sure. I need a suggestion if somebody needs a coach or not this generation okay so i don't know whether the coaches will like me or not for this for me i think why i write on linkedin so much is to get people to think for themselves and to become their own coach nothing like self-coaching okay and if the only way you can self-coach is to raise your self-awareness to understand what your issues are to accept those issues and then do something about it This is what the coach is going to do for you. Yeah. And then keep you accountable because a lot of people are not accountable. As soon as some distraction comes like a Netflix binge, they just go off and binge. Right. So I think this is where the coach comes in and says, hey, you're supposed to do this. Have you done that? When have you done that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they also ask you a bunch of questions to increase your self-awareness understand and accept your issues and do something about it so if you can do your own thinking and that for me is the most critical part to do your own thinking a lot of people are not thinking now they just want easy way out and easy that's why seven steps to success or seven steps to something that or everybody goes and think enrolls for that thinking that's going to help them become greater but they go sit there, get all the information. What do they do with it? It goes into the drawers and they've forgotten about it and then they haven't got really very much better. So the coaching and the training industries are blooming. Are the people blooming? I really don't think so. And this is where the major difference is. And unfortunately, the more you rely on other people to change you, Exactly. And I know the coaches out there are probably thinking she's sabotaging us being one of them, <laughs> but I think it all begins with you. And you know that yeah? matters, and you being a coach and giving the statement is like, you really care about people. You like to be honest. Yes. You're, you're not trying to, you know, butter and trying to get more business. That is what yes. matters. And a lot of, unfortunately, like any other business, there's lots of rogues out there who would... Uh, get your money in a transaction and then several dollars or rupees later, you're not very much better because you haven't done put in enough work. They, I'm not saying they're not doing a good job. They probably are, but you, you're not really doing Then you're calling them back again, 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 and they've got an income stream. And you really haven't improved because you're not investing in yourself really, but you're paying the money. So I think this is what people need to think. And that's why I think I write so much because I really need people to start thinking for themselves. That's the start. But unfortunately, because of all the noise on the internet and social media, the thinking process has really stopped or very minimal. Wow. Wow. 
Wow, I love your personality. <laughs> Thank you for being so <laughs> honest. Trust me. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, and um okay, so that was your uh, corporate life and then you started your own company. So tell us about what hit you hard or what was that moment like, you know, that where you decided that I need to do something. I need to become an entrepreneur, you know. How was that phase of your life? So just a correction I'm not an entrepreneur again I'm being absolutely honest I'm a dreamer with a business background wow. so I think that's where I think I've come unstuck because um I don't feel like entrepreneurs or find an opportunity and go for it I did a product which I think is a very superior in quality and then i found that many people don't want it but they need it so it's about marketing it's about the wants right and understanding the market wants so when your your first question was why did i want to go through this basically to help and start to give something back to society that was why the whole process was uh, starting the startup and I, like i said 5 years later i've learned a lot about uh, the psychology of the people and young people at that because the segment that i uh, introduced my product was uh, into the young grads so uh, that's why i know how they think differently and you say uh, when you ask me questions your generation and this generation it is very different and that's where the product also was um, seen differently so i have learned from that and i'm tweaking that now for another market so you learn a lot when you become uh, doing startups you understand a lot about psychology about the market when you are in a big corporate you're doing part of it you understand that but it's established already whereas here it's all greenfield yes. and you're finding out so much so much and i know that people say entrepreneur when they have a little business that's not entrepreneurship you if you can convince a few people and you do something that's kind of a business an entrepreneur grows and scales up and employs more and more people that's an entrepreneur and that is a different mindset altogether and unfortunately not all startup people have that entrepreneurial drive <laughs> that is a different kettle of fish so i think we need to um uh, classify two different things and understand who you are and what you are and what you want to do so you really and think, think that yeah so you really mm-hmm. think that entrepreneur is more like a tag at the moment and everybody who is just starting a business is calling themselves and as an entrepreneur correct wow correct so what correct. is the real definition of entrepreneur according to you whom can you call that okay this guy is an entrepreneur or this lady is an entrepreneur yeah the ones who really have number one very sound financial acumen they know what is going to return money for them and how if they invest something they will get they understand that they don't not necessarily accounting but they know an opportunity when they see it and they go for it and then the second thing is they know how to utilize resources both human and others to their capability very well and they know when to let go of those resources as well they're not loyal i don't think <laughs> to anybody or anything but they doesn't mean that they don't treat them people well they will treat people who are useful very well but they know when to pull the plug also and the third fourth thing is to really understand what the strategy is and they really understand what is coming out in the horizon and what they need to pull the levers to pull to grow and they are very single minded and they have to have nerves of steel wow so i think i just wrote a piece a couple of days ago that's why it's fresh in my mind um but not they all startup people are not entrepreneurs no it's a different kettle of fish and i have known a few entrepreneurs and it's it's a different thing this is a great anybody who anybody who uh, has a service is not an entrepreneur yeah you know what i mean so if you're coaching business or you have 
you do service, personal service, that is not an entrepreneurial. You, you're still offering a professional service. That's what you're doing. Yeah, but you're doing freelancing. Makes sense. Yeah? Makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> wow <laughs> okay uh <laughs> all right um this was great and you know now let's talk a little bit about your product but uh not exactly about your product but um you know uh, a few advice for all the job seekers out there you know why did you thought you know that this is the time where job seekers need help to uplift their skills to uplift you know to to become more uh, you know uh, what do you call uh, to become more knowledgeable you know so uh, i yeah. think you guys offer like great amount of service uh, the, the trainings on your website and um, so why do you think that it is very important for the job seekers out there to learn this uh, first uh, first scenario is is it because they're not getting that proper training from the school from their um you know diploma courses or degree courses and that's why it is necessary for them to come and kind of learn and you know like what is that one thing that made you realize that job seekers need help yeah so like i said i have over the years helped many people get jobs before i went into the startup business and one thing i knew is they didn't know how to um, prepare themselves for the interviews they didn't know how to prepare a resume they didn't even know how to prepare themselves in the mindset to go and get the best job that they can they just settled for whatever job they came so my point is you have to really prepare and go after the jobs that really matter for you and get it instead of settling for some silly job and then hating it and leaving it and then just mucking around so you go after you really uh, understand what you're going to go after prepare yourself very well and then get it so it's a three step process and it's a life skill which can be transferred right through your life until you retire in my opinion so that is why i think it's a huge need in the marketplace which i went after so that is why the whole um, uh, thing came about but like i said young people want something which is quite different from what they need so i think that is where the trouble happened with that but i know older people who really appreciate it and go for it and then people who go for big fours and pwcs and all those big companies there's a lot of um uh, hurdles that you have to jump over definitely, definitely and this this one really prepares you for all those hurdles because it's a lot of prep work you yes. just don't get to the final um, line without doing all that work and this yeah. particular product that we put out will help you through the whole process you know and i have got a lot of people who are placed in big places wow. because they followed this without um, going away from it wow you know as you just said that there are a lot of hurdles i have a story you know my friend who was trying to get into a big four a kpmg and um, he realized that they asked for a video interview you know and um, so that guy in spite of being a uh, he was actually applying for article ship or something so you know he has got so much of accounts knowledge accountancy and everything all those taxes i have no knowledge about it but so much of knowledge but then when it came to the video interview it was he lost it you know he he sent some video out there and they and they rejected it so yeah and that's why the practice comes in and this my program perfect. helps awesome. you and that is what over and over and over it has helped them definitely because it's all about having to present yourself and talk and this is what going back to my boss's um, my husband's own boss in new zealand 30 almost 30 years ago helped me and i'm helping others that that is wow. the story of it and what is you know what has been the most cherishable moment in your professional life like you know that was the time he was so proud uh, that's a good question uh, for me i think uh, managing a huge team 
of diverse people and doing some major projects oh. where all of us work so hard but we laugh so hard oh. and had such a good time so i think that for me is mostly cherished even in the startup working with my developers only three of us at that stage or everything we came together and it went like magic so i think working together with others and usually i like surrounding myself with cleverer people so <laughs> it is always a pleasure to work with them and really awesome uh, put out something that will really work for everybody wow so i think that was the best for me you know you just says you just said that you managed people and you loved that so you know um how can i wouldn't say love it was hard work <laughs> yeah definitely it was hard work <laughs> oh yeah. yeah so you know uh, how to uh, how do you how can you increase efficiency in the workspace you know how can you uh, i think the productivity this this word is missing you know this this concept is missing in many companies the productivity is yeah. like so i think uh, it's simple uh it's for me it's simple anyway uh, and i i talk about another colleague he would say you teach you care for the people and they care for you and uh i found that for me uh caring about them and their progress and their growth um and they knew that they had a safe space where they could tell me anything including why are you grumpy today <laughs> that kind of talk uh, makes them want to be there and so much of energy they put in and they will walk over hot coals for you so i think i've seen that over the 10 years that i was uh, chief administration officer where people most people i wouldn't say 100% there are always recalcitrants everywhere but almost 85 90% of the people do their best job because they know that you're there for you you watch you will watch their back and you will make sure that they are growing as uh, the company grows perfect that so like i said it's a lot of hard work a lot of um, interpersonal awareness lot of uh, communication skills or and you have to walk the floors understand what their problems are you have to be with them yeah so then the productivity will just shoot up people Definitely. will go to the nth degree to deliver mm-hmm. and i see mm-hmm. all this stuff on linkedin where people are putting the best leader blah blah what they are expecting but a lot of writing is happening but whether it's actually been done out there it seems not because everybody is jumping down and jumping up and down when they want to see something as a good data obviously they're lacking it otherwise they wouldn't go after it in so much fashion yeah awesome and before we go the last question um what are the most important values for you as a person as an employee as a business owner so what are the most important values in your life that you follow and that you think that people should also follow no matter what there's no you know no compromise on that yeah so values is one of my pet subjects uh, everybody has to have values but you have to find your own values i cannot tell you what yours should be you have wow, to think you have to pick it and you have to make sure that you are living those values right throughout from wow. your age to my age you don't let go but it didn't evolve it'll evolve but that's where you have to again put on your thinking cap and pick out at least three values that's going to stand by you and that is individually everybody has to go for their own so the first one i would say for me is speaking with candor so i say what i think and honest yeah that doesn't mean i call a spade a spade when it shouldn't be i sometimes exercise silence as i grow older i am a bit more wiser but i try to be as honest as i can in all interactions my husband says you got a black and white brain you have to, have you got to tell everything yes i have to because the second one is transparency i am very transparent and i have been right throughout my career and i think that's built a lot of trust in me from customers suppliers who i've dealt with yeah 
So that's transparency. Third mm-hmm. thing is I don't promise anything that I can't follow up on. Okay? So if somebody forces me to give my word, I will not if I feel it can't be done. And I've got into a huge amount of trouble because somebody, you have to promise me this. No, I can't. So it's a big blah, blah. And uh, I say if I can do it, I will always say yes. And then I carry it out. So I think those three has always stood me. Sometimes it has got me in real trouble. <laughs> but uh, I have no trouble for good. of having that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well said. So, um, but it will evolve. How, as you grow older and wiser, the way you utilize it will differ, differ. But you have to pick your own values. Awesome. And nobody can tell you that. Hats off to you. Great. That was a great answer. <laughs> I've got so much of good informative content that you have no idea. Trust me. <laughs> you have been so okay. valuable. You have been so valuable. And I think that this conversation is definitely going to help many job seekers, youth out there with their, with all yeah. the things. Thank you so much to be for coming here, for joining us. And thank you just just thank you so much for everything you know it really means a lot and and, um, i'm glad to do my little bit in these troubled times and uh, like i said i like to help young people like yourself and that's why i didn't hesitate i said yes thank you immediately and um, uh, please let me know what you would be doing with this so i'm curious to see whom you'll be reaching and how you are going Um, so i wish you all the very best in everything you do because you're asking very intelligent questions (laughs) and um, you seem to be uh, uh, also like i said uh, self-reflective which is a good thing i like to see that in young people as well so all, all my best wishes to you Thank you. Thank you, Subi. means a lot. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I really hope you got some value out of this. Love you all and stay tuned for our next show. Bye-bye.